William Hallbrook with us from Mansfield, Ohio. He's the rabbi of a congregation in Mansfield called Sar Shalom, and uh, we've known William for quite a while. I want to take a moment now, and, and we're going to pray for William. William has agreed to be an oversight for our congregation. Um, he's somebody that we can go to for him and him and Pat Kleitz at this, at this time, and uh, we're going to just pray over him for that. If there's something we need to go to, a reason to go to him for spiritual advice or just uh, something we're dealing with, or if, you know, we're going to have it so that if anybody has something that they want to ask him about, maybe you have a concern and you don't feel like you could somehow come to us or something, that you'd be able to go to him and say, hey, you know, I'm concerned about this. You know, I think it's good to have authority and responsibility. You know, the congregation that, that me, I as a pastor need to have someone that I'm uh, responsible to and uh, willing to submit to. So we just want to establish that. So I've asked uh, uh, three of our elders to come forward, Roger and Roger McDonald and uh, Tom and Jim. If they'll come up now. We're going to pray for William. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, for William. We thank you, Lord, for, for his willingness to serve you. Lord, we thank you for his willingness to, to give us oversight, Lord, to be uh, there for us to counsel with and to share with. Thank you for his wisdom, Lord, that you've given him. Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless him. Lord, just continue to bless our relationship. We thank you for those, those relationships, Lord, that you put together. Lord, there are divine appointments by you. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your presence with him. Just continue to watch over him and just bless him in all that he does. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to ask you before we get started, would you just turn to the person beside you? Tell them you look wonderful today. Would you do that? Just tell them you look wonderful today. As I was driving in, um, I, we had a thank you, Pastor, for just blessing us. We I had a room. He got me a room, and I was able to stay the night. And um, somebody had asked, did you bring family with you? And I said, no, I wanted peace and quiet. <laughs> so <laughs> we have like 10 or 11 puppies at home, and they're all yapping. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I've got five teenagers at home. My brother says, I'm in the valley of the shadow. Yeah, he says, he says, oh my gosh, you're in the valley of the shadow. You know, it's like, I had to chuckle because I was watching the little ones up here jumping around. And we had five in diapers at one time. Five in diapers. So two, it's like, come on, guys, you can handle two. You know? But I, I had to chuckle because I love to see that. I love to see the, the little ones just rejoicing in Messiah. And they keep you on your toes. But I did want to say this morning, as I was driving um, from town, and uh, I just thought of Pastor Ron, and I thought of Mary, and how one person can make a difference for you, and I can say that your pastor has made, your pastor and his wife has made a difference in my life. Um, in all honesty, thank you for that. Thank you for just being friends, for being with us, standing with us through the years, and uh, I appreciate you both. Sometimes we don't get to tell people that, but I wanted to thank you publicly. You have a, you have a wonderful pastor. Who has a, he has the heart of a father. 
and Mary as well. She is, she is a mama to the body of Messiah. So thank you all. And I, I've always appreciated Mary's humor. I just love it. She's one of the few people that can make me laugh. She just, she just made, thank you. Anyhow, we're going to turn into the word. Let's go into the book of Zechariah. We have a congregation in Mansfield. Um, pray for us because we're right now at a juncture where we just bought another building. We're growing and, uh, this is bigger than what I've ever thought we could ever do. So it's like all the, all the stuff that comes with it. You guys know, you've been through transitions, and it's just, you know, the enemy tries to shake you with things when you try to build something. You all are in a process of building up a community. It's a continual growth. And so I would encourage you, um, pray for us, and we will pray for you. I'm going to go into the book of Zechariah. Pastor Ron has assured me that when I get close to the end of my time, he has a horn, a foghorn. He's going to go, no, he won't do that. Um, Let's go to Zechariah, and we're going to go to chapter 4, and I want to start reading at verse 6. And then he, an angel, responded to me by saying, this is the word of the Lord of of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit. In Hebrew, that says, Adonai Tzvaot, the Lord of hosts, the, the God of heaven's armies. How I many know if you got the God of heaven's armies on your side, you got it, right? <laughs> not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. What are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. And he will bring out the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house, and his hands will also finish it. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. Give clear heads, clear minds, hearts that are receptive. And I ask these things in Messiah's holy name. All his people said, Amen. Amen. Let's talk about Zechariah this morning. Everyone say, Zechariah. What does his name mean in Hebrew? Zachariah. In Hebrew, it means Yahweh has remembered. The Hebrew word for remember has to do with your smell. You ever think about that? Think the, the, strongest, the strongest thing to make you think about something is the olfactory nerve. That's the smell. That's like when you get around somebody. I got around somebody today that had on an Old Spice. And I tell you, every, Old Spice reminds me, my dad would always drag us to church as kids. And, you know, little kids, but I always remember Dad putting on the Old Spice. Anybody else remember that? Your parents, your, well, hopefully not your parents. Hopefully your mom didn't wear Old Spice, but, you know. But your dad wears Old Spice, so I smell that. And that brings back that comforting feeling of my strong dad who was there for me, you know, strong dad. Zechariah, Yahweh remembers. Adonai remembers. Let's talk about Zechariah, who Zechariah was the grandson of a, of a priest called Edo. If you know anything about the Israelites, they were taken out of their land for 70 years and they were taken to Babylon. Everyone say Babylon. And so they're taken out of their land, away from their homes. The temple is destroyed. Imagine that. No place to worship the true God now. They're taken out of their homes and they're taken to a place where they're held captive for 70 years. The Bible said, and if you read about it, you can read Daniel and read everything that happened in that time. You saw King Cyrus... Uh, King Cyrus decreed the Cree 70 years later that they could come back to their homes. So now here is Zechariah, who's a grandson of, his, of, of a priest, and he is hand-in-hand hand walking with a small band of Israelites back into the land. 
Zechariah lived um, quite a long life. He saw King Cyrus. He, he lived all the way to King Xerxes. Um, if you remember the story of Esther, he experienced all that. But as he comes back into the land, he's looking around and he's walking with his family, a small band of Israelites back to Jerusalem. And they're looking and they see devastation. They see weeds overtaken, houses gone, buildings gone. Oh, I remember that was the neighbor's house. They're gone now. I remember the memories that I had over here. That's gone now. I, you ever been, everybody ever go back to your old homestead where you grew up? Anybody ever done that? What, you know, what do you usually see when you go back? It's changed. It's gone. I went back to my uh, one house that I had lived with in college with an aunt. Got a very godly lady, and she had some awesome times there. She was a praying woman. And, um, I went back, and the house was gone, leveled. It was gone. So I said, well, let, let me go. About a, so many months later, I went to see my house that I grew up in as a kid, I went to the house. The house was gone, Pastor Ron. The houses are gone. It's like you stand there and you look and you get this feeling like, wow, all the memories, all the times. That house was gone. Here's Zechariah who's standing and they're walking through and all these things are gone. But yet they had a word and the word was that the Lord, that Adonai, the Lord, is going to build this place back up. And so here's a guy who, as Zechariah starts getting visions, and Zechariah got a vision. There were two men. Everybody say two, because we're, we're still with the story. There were two guys that were, their responsibility was to build up the second temple. So how would you like that to have your job be? You're, you're going to build up the second temple. So Zerubbabel is one. Um, Joshua was the other. And so they come along, and Zerubbabel begins to build the foundation. He took two years, Pastor Ron, to lay the foundation of the second temple. The prophetic word was this. The second temple that you build is going to be greater than the first temple. Now you think about that for just a minute because Solomon, who was the greatest king of all time, the wisest king of all time, built the first temple. Now here's the guy who's, the, the prophetic word was this. The glory of the Lord is going to be seen in the second temple. Now, as they saw it in the first temple, it came in as a cloud. The priesthood fell out on their faces. Wouldn't you love to have a service like that, Pastor Ron? You see the glory come in, everybody just falls right out. So the priesthood falls out. Now he says, not only is the glory going to come in, but the Lord himself will come to this temple, which would be the Messiah. Okay? So, so his responsibility is to prepare a place for the Messiah to come in. Are you all with me? If you are, say, I'm still breathing. Okay, good. So can you imagine the responsibility? Two years he begins to build. Zerubbabel builds and builds and builds. And all of a sudden, he begins to hear voices. Now, these were not angelic voices. These were not made-up voices. These were voices of the Samaritans. If you know anything about the Samaritans, the Samaritans were a mixture of Jew and Gentile. Listen to this. The Samaritans were half Assyrian because the Assyrians were the enemies of Israel who came in and took their property when they left. So you had the Samaritans. Everybody say Samaritans. Half, half Jew, but then half Gentile. And these were not nice Gentile people, okay? So the Samaritans started mocking Zerubbabel. And they said, Zerubbabel, what are you doing? I'm building a temple. I'm laying the foundation. I'm getting it ready. The prophetic word. 
Zerubbabel, you're never going to finish that. Zerubbabel, by what authority are you doing this? Who's backing you, Zerubbabel? You're you're crazy, Zerubbabel. Do you think that you're going to make a temple that's bigger than the first temple? Not just bigger, but better? Come on, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, you're being foolish. Zerubbabel, we're going to call the cops on you. We're going to stop this madness. And Zerubbabel stopped the work. Follow the story. He stopped the work because of the voice of the Samaritans. How many of you know that when you're starting a work for the Lord, you'll hear the voice of the Samaritans, right? You know what the Samaritans are spiritually? That's those voices that say, you can't do that. You can't do that. Hey, Zerubbabel, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. (laughs) And all of the mocking and all of the voices. How many people have ever been mocked? Sure. They call it bullying in the schools, right? This is, these are spiritual bullies. This is a voice of the Samaritans. The Jewish people hated the Samaritans later on so much, watch this, that the Bible tells us that they, um, remember the story of when Jesus comes to the mountain and, and he comes to the well and the Samaritan well? How many remember that story? Do you realize that Jewish people would not even go through Samaria? They would walk, listen to this, 30 miles around Samaria. Because we don't even want to get the dust of those people on our feet. They hated the Samaritans. And so here are the Samaritans that are, that are mocking Zerubbabel. They're saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. Whenever the Lord gives you a work to do in your life, you're going to have the mockers. You're going to have the scoffers. You're going to have the people. You're going to, even the spiritual scoffers. It may not even be people. It might be. But it may be even those voices that say, you can't do that. You can't do that. By, what? By whose authority? Come on, you're out of your mind. Here we are taking, we're taking up this big project, something that I have never dreamed we could ever buy a building like this. And, I, and you hear those voices, Pastor Ron, that say, nobody's going to support you. They're not going to stand with you. Those are the lies of the Samaritans. Everybody say Samaritans. For, for 17 years, the man laid down his stuff and Zerubbabel said, I quit. But he gets a word. How many would like a word from the Lord this morning? Here's your word. What are you, mountain, that are, bef- that are standing before Zerubbabel? What are you? You will become a plain. That Hebrew word, his, what he's telling him, I get so excited when I hear about this. What he's telling him is this. The thing that looks like a mountain to you is going to become, in Hebrew, it's mishar. Everyone say mishar. So there's your Hebrew word. Say one more time, mishar. Mishor means a level place. Level place. See, if you want to build something, do I have any builders in the house? How many have ever built something? You have to have it level. Yesterday I taught this to our congregation and I brought out a big leveler. You know what a level thing is? It's got the little bubble and you've got to level it out. He said, see, when Adonai, when the Lord wants us to build something, it has to be on level ground. It has to be stable. And so he's saying those things that look like mountains to you that are standing in your way, it's going to be a level place because I'm going to make it level. I'm going to make it stable. I'm the one that's going to take care. All you got to do is just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing because you're preparing a place for the Messiah to come. And it's going to be a level place. It's going to be a stable place. It's going to be a place of blessing. But don't give up. 
Turn to two people around you and tell them, don't give up. Don't give up. The voice of the Samaritans would whisper to us and even shout at us, Hey, you can't live your life by faith. You're going to look foolish. You're, people are going to make fun of you. People, Come on, what are they going to think about you? Listen, when we started our congregation, there was, there, it was myself and a, a Jewish brother. And he looked at me and I, he said, why don't we start something? And I, he said, why don't you start something here? Because I just come from Florida. And I was like, well, what do we do now? Why don't you start something here? And I said, David, who would come? We were in the middle of a cow pasture in Dalton, Ohio. And I said, who would come? And he said, well... He said, there's me, there's you, there's my wife, and there's her. We got four people. We got four people. And from now, from here, I mean, it just went zoom. But we saw our mountains, and we heard our Samaritans and said, it's never going to work. People are going to think you guys are crazy. Come on, Jewish people believing in Jesus? Come on, man. I still have people that say, oh, Jewish people believe in Jesus? Sure do. That's the word. The Bible tells us in the last days that the whole nation of Israel's eyes are going to be open. You guys watching? Are you watching the news about Israel? Things are, listen, it's just going to get heated up even more and more. But in one day, that whole nation is going to come to know the Messiah. But right now, the Samaritans' voices are saying, you can't build that. You can't do that. Just like Zerubbabel. You got a mountain standing in your way. The voice of the Samaritans and the mountains, the the unlevel. See, your mountain is your obstacle. Everyone say obstacle. So now not only do we hear the Samaritans screaming at us, but now we got these obstacles. And your obstacle today might be a financial. Or your obstacle today might be health. Or your obstacle today, what you fill in the blank. What's your obstacles for serving the Lord today? What's he called you to do? He says, you look to that mountain, just like Zerubbabel. And he said, Zerubbabel, what you started is what you're going to finish. But you just have to keep going. You have to be faithful. And I love it because he said, what are you, O mountain? He said, when, in the end, when it's all said and done, he said, you're, that mountain, you're going to shout grace, grace to that mountain. Everybody say grace. grace. Shout it again. Say grace. grace. You know what grace is? Somebody said it. Favor. Favor. It's his love, but that love is a, is a favor aspect. Now, I want you to see something. When Israel, in ancient Israel, you were called to Jerusalem three times a year to worship, okay? Pastor Ron, I'm glad you have more services than three times a year. So you have services every week. But three times a year, called to worship at Jerusalem. You got your brothers and your sisters and your mom and your dad and your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, grandpa and grandma, and you took your sacrifices and you loaded up the wagon and you headed out to go up to Jerusalem. In the midst of the journey, you always came to mountains. Always. That mountain is that obstacle to your worship. That mountain is not a level place. When you have a level place... Then you can see from one end to the other and go, oh, there's, there's the end of it. But when you have a mountain, it's blocking your journey. Anybody ever been blocked in your worship? Yeah? You know how Israel handled it? When they would come to their mountains, they would sing. On their journey, they would worship. They would sing psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, and they would sing the book of Psalms, and they would worship as they would go over their mountains. They didn't just come to a mountain, brother, and say, oh, well, there's a mountain. We've got to go home. 
What do you mean we're going home? We came this far. Who cares? Let's go over the mountain, go through the mountain, do what we got to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to go over that mountain. You going to let the mountain stop you? What's the mountain? What's your mountain this morning? I would tell you this. The Bible says, you know how you're supposed to, what to do about that mountain? Not cry about the mountain. The Lord himself said this. He said, when the mountain, he said, you, if you have faith, he said, you will speak to that mountain and tell it to move. How many have ever had to speak to your mountains? You know what we like to do, Mary? We, now I'm not saying you, but I'm saying what we as a people like to do. We like to talk about the mountain. See? We like to talk. We like to describe the mountain. We like to gather committees together and discuss the mountain and take measurements about the mountain and tell everybody else about the mountain. But you know what the Bible says? You speak to the mountain. Now, what are we supposed to say to our mountain? Are we supposed to say, you know, (laughs) are we supposed to cuss at it or holler at it? Or what are we supposed to say? You know what we say? We can say move, but you know what I would tell you to say? What is, what is Zechariah? Look at the Bible and say, what does it say to Zechariah? You will shout grace, grace to it. Now, we would say, what does that all mean, Rabbi? What are you talking about? Grace to the mountain? It's like this. Grace means favor. So when you come to your mountain, you know what you say to your mountain? Mountain, who are you? I have the favor of the Lord upon me today. I have his favor today. Why are you standing in my way, mountain? I have his favor today. So move, mountain, because I have the favor of the Almighty upon me today. How many of you have the favor of the Almighty upon you today? We will pray for the rest of the congregation that did not raise their hands. Because you need the favor of the Almighty. There's scriptures that say that. You sing about it. You you speak to the mountain. You pray for that favor. Now, some of you would say, well, Rabbi, what do I need favor for? You need favor for your life, just life itself. When was the last time that you woke up and you said, I have the favor of the Lord today on me? You know, Psalm 5 says this, that he surrounds us with favor as a shield. He protects you. He gives you favor. How many know that? Psalm 103 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all His benefits. Who what? Forgives all my sins. Who heals all my diseases. Who crowns me with His loving kindness and tender mercies. You know what that means? He crowns me with favor. I have a crown on my head of favor today. You may not see it. But you and I have crowns of favor. When was the last time you claimed that crown of favor today? You tell that mountain, I have favor. I decided there was a time, I'll never forget this. I was in a season where I would wake up, I'd say, I have the favor, I have the favor, I have the favor. It sounds simple, but I would say, Father, thank you for your, I'm crowned with your favor today. And I'll never forget this one day, I take my kids, we go through the drive-thru. We went to Burger King. Healthy, right? Yeah, I know. So we go to Burger King, we go through the drive-thru. Now, if you've never had to order for like six people, you don't know the challenges of this. You know, some with ketchup, some without. You got to get the pickles, and you got no cheese here, and cheese, and everything else. So, it's like a college exam. By the time you're done, so I go through the drive-through, and the lady hands me our food. And nine times out of ten, it's always wrong, anyhow. But she hands me the food, and she hands me the food, and then I, they go, "Dad, what is this stuff? This is not our stuff. We don't even eat this stuff." So I thought, okay, so I got your favor, Father. I got you. I'm crowned with favor. I'm crowned with favor. So I pull the car around, 
And uh, I opened the door. I said, you guys stay here. So I go on in. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, "Um, this is not our food. She said, it's not? I said, no, I don't know what this is, but this is not our food. She said, let me see that. She said, huh. She said, oh, the guy. She said, you got the wrong bag. She said, what did you order? So we gave her the order again, right? She had it on a little slip. So then she goes, wait, do you, got, do you like fries? I said, well, yeah, we like fries. She said, here, I'm going to put some fries. And she says, I, let me give you some onion rings, too. So I said, give me some onion rings. Would you like a drink? Free drink? Let me give you drinks. I said, sure, I'll take a drink. So I get the drink. I'm not going to drink all that, but I'll take a drink. She said, I'm not done with you yet. She says, wait just a moment. So she goes in her office. She comes out with a handful of Burger King cards. Coupon, not coup, not just coupons. This is all free food. She's, she says, here, I'm going to give you this too. I've got Cokes. I've got drinks. I've got all this stuff. And then she says, oh, by the way, she said, would you like the guy's food that took yours? Because he's not going to eat it. I said, sure. She handed me his food. I've got bags of food coming out. I went in with one bag, and I'm coming out with all these bags. The guy says, hey, would you like a Burger King crown too? I said, I'm already crowned with favor, you know. (laughs) I'm thinking, the kids are seeing me come out with all these bags of food. They're like, Dad, what's up, you know. (laughs) My son said, Dad, he said, you truly were the Burger King that day. (laughs) I shared all that to say this. Even in the little things in life, we can have favor. And when those mountains come at you and block your way, And those Samaritans are screaming at you saying, that job ain't going to work. They're not going to hire you. Those people don't like you. It's not going to work over here. You're wasting your time there. You tell that mountain, I have favor. I have favor. And you quote those scriptures of favor. Psalm 5, Psalm 103, and find some scriptures. Speak it. Well, Rabbi, my life, you know, what, what would it affect me? It'll affect your generations. Your children are watching. Your grandchildren are watching. People are watching you to see how you handle. You speak the favor. Say this with me. Speak the favor. You tell that mountain, I have the favor. And just like Zerubbabel, you started it. The capstone is the finisher. The cornerstone and the capstone. And by the way, Zechariah told him, he said, the work will get finished. You just have to keep doing what you're called to do. As a congregation, you guys just keep doing what you're called to do. Stand strong. Stand firm. Speak the favor. Affect those people around you. And speak the word. We've seen it time and time and time and time again. The Samaritans will scream at you. The mountains will appear. You just keep praising. and You just keep worshiping. And you will see your level place. Those mountains will become a level place. Everybody say level. Hebrew word was mishor, a level place. Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 42 talk about the Messiah. And it says this, that when the Messiah comes, he will bring the high places low. Say this with me, high places low. In other words, the mountains, those great obstacles he'll bring down. And it says he'll raise up the low places. Watch this. There's a beautiful picture here, but I want you to see this this morning. Whenever the king of glory, we sang that song this morning. I love that. When the king of glory comes in, he's always looking for the, he's, he is the king of those level places. The high things that represent mountains and pride, he always brings low. Those low places that are already humble always rise up to meet him. Why? Level. High down, low up, level. 
Are y'all with me on that? So what are the high places within us, the mountains within us that he says those things need to come down? It could be thoughts. It could be attitudes. It could be traditions that we have that really don't need to be there. Well, my mom always did it that way. My grandma always did it that way, so I'm always doing it that way too. But it may not be the right way. Sometimes we just do the things because our parents did them. Is that old story about the ham? I know a, a rabbi talking about a ham. Isn't that crazy? But the story about the ham where the, the family said, you know, the, the woman made the ham for the holidays, and she cut the ends off of it and put it in the... And the guy said, why do you do that? And she said, well, that's the way you're supposed to cook it. Well, I really don't know why I do it that way. I'll ask mom. So she asked mom. She said, why do we do it that way? She said, well, that's the way we always cooked it. She said, my mom always did that. So she said, well, let's ask grandma why they did it. So they get to grandma, and they say, grandma, why do we cook the ham like that for Sunday dinner? She said, because the ham was always too big to put in the pan, and we just cut the... <laughs> Family traditions. And, and they thought it affected the cooking or the flavor. She said, no. See, sometimes we do things in our, in our lives because we saw our parents do it and our grandparents do it. But really, spiritually... It may be dead or dried up, or like a dried up old ham. <laughs> Interesting. Here's Zechariah 9 talks about the Messiah coming in at his first coming. And when he would come, he would be riding lowly and on a donkey. Anybody ever hear that story? Zechariah 9. In the future, Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus came in riding on a donkey. Watch the picture. What'd they do with him? As he's coming through, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hoshiana in Hebrew. Hoshiana ben David. Hosanna, save us now. And they take off their garments and they take their palm fronds and watch this. They throw them at his feet. Why? You ever wonder why? To make a level place. Everybody say level. When the Messiah comes, he is always looking for that level place where he can build. What do I mean by level? I mean stable. Are you stable in your faith? How many stable, faithful people do we have? I will pray for the body of Messiah if you don't have your hands up. Everybody lift your hands up right now. Lift them up. Say this with me. I'm a stable, faithful person. Okay, you can put them down. What does that mean? Messiah is always looking for the faithful, stable. Interesting. Are you faithful to Messiah? Are you faithful to the Almighty? Are you faithful to the people around you? Are you faithful to the job where you work? Are you faithful to your church? I hope so. We've seen people, I've been wounded and hurt by people who were not faithful. I thought they were. I thought they had the same vision. The Messiah wants to build a work. He wants to build a work here in this community. But he says, I'm looking for stable, faithful people who are willing to lay down, bring the high places low, those mountains, bring them down. And raise up those humble places. Our hearts are humble before him, right? What happens when the Messiah comes back at his second coming? The humble ones will be caught up to meet him. They rise. Humbleness, humility. What happens to the proud mountains? They will bow low. In fact, watch this. I'm going to give you this. This one's for free today. When Messiah comes back, not at the rapture, but when Messiah comes back and he comes back to the earth and rules as king, he's going to level. He's, he is going to, he's going to bring stability and he's going to level things. But it's interesting because it says that all the nations gather at a place called Armageddon. 
Armageddon. You know what that is in Hebrew? Har Megiddo, which means mountain of Megiddo. Isn't it interesting that the Messiah himself has to even tackle his mountains? But the Messiah himself, when he appears, what is that mountain? Nothing. He says, who are the nations that rage against me? Who are those Samaritans? They're out of here. They're out of here. Don't let the Samaritans in the mountains today cause you to lay down your work and say, I'm done. 17 years it took him, and he finally went back to the work to finish it. You have a work to do in this community. I have a work to do in my community. You have a work to do in your homes, in your jobs, in your families. There's a work being done in your heart. That's that work of faith, taking that step of faith one step at a time. Speak to your mountains. Did I get the air horn yet, Pastor Ron? No? Speak to your mountains. Tell those mountains to move. Say, Mountain, I have favor today in Messiah's name. He'll provide everything you need. Everything you need. You don't have to be afraid. Remember that I was telling you about all the kids that we had? At one time, we had seven kids at home. Um, two of them are grown now. We had five. I'll just share a story, and I'll close with this. Maybe we can close with prayer. We had um, five in diapers at one time. And um, I remember that we used to load everybody up. I, I tell these stories, so I never remember who I tell them to. I'm kind of like the older grandpa guy. If you've heard it again, just love me when I tell you the story. So I remember we would load all the kids up, and we'd pack them up, and we'd go for a walk. We had strollers, and we, you know, some would walk, but most were in the strollers, and some were fall. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, we had parades that would go through Millersburg because we lived in Holmes County at the time. And uh, one day the kids said, Dad, where's the parade? I said, we are the parade, guys. It's like, you know. So all of us with the wagons and the stuff. So there was a little store. It was called the Grocery Bag. And um, our mountains at the time were financial. And I thought, how am I going to take, how am I going to take care of a family of nine, including myself? How are we going to do this? And I remember we would go to the store, and we would pinch in pennies and everything else, but we stood faith, and we always saw him being faithful. Anybody else had to do that in life, right? So it was interesting. We'd go to this store called the Grocery Bag, a little, little store on the corner, and they had a little pizza place in there that they would make breadsticks and stuff. And we found favor with that lady, that worker. We'd go in there, and we'd just get ice cream, and then she'd say, do you guys like breadsticks? And we'd say, well, yeah, we like breadsticks. And she'd just give us bags of breadsticks. She'd say, here, give them to the kids. And the kids, of course, eat them up. And I'd say, well, what do I owe you? She'd say, nothing. She'd just take bags of breadsticks. She'd give us. Every time we went in, she'd give us bags and bags of breadsticks. Here, take them home with you. Very interesting. That store eventually closed down. I figured out it probably closed down because she gave us all the food, right? <laughs> but it really did close down. Fast forward several years later. About two years later, um, we were again in a tight place. And it, and it was a cold, dark night, and I was just kind of feeling depressed. Snow was blowing outside, dark, and it just seemed unusually dark and cold. And the wind was blowing, and I heard this little tap, tap, tap on the front door. So I open the front door, and I go out onto the porch, and there's somebody at my front door. And I'm thinking, who comes to my door at night knocking? And it's dark out, right? So I open the door, and there was a lady standing there, and she said, excuse me, sir. She said, do you remember me? And I said, I looked, and I said, oh, my goodness. I said, you're the lady that used to give us the breadsticks at the 
store of the corner a couple years back. And she said, yeah, she said, that was me. She said, now don't ask me how she found me because I have no clue. But she said, you know, she said, I just wanted to share something with you. She said, I don't work there anymore. But she said, I've been working at a bakery up the street. And she said, I have something for you. And it wasn't just a bag. It was boxes and boxes of healthy, healthy, organic, all-natural loaves of bread. Different flavors, different types. And I said, she said, I worked there. She said, I just wanted to really bless you and bless your family. And, I, and I'm in tears. Because I had just been saying, Father, how, are, how are, am I going to do this for my family, right? And she said, whenever you need anything, she said, I just want to, you just stop by. And as she left... She walked out and she left and I'm standing there and I hear his eye is on the sparrow. And I said, he cares for me. He knows me. He loves me. What are those mountains that stand in your way? What are those Samaritans that are screaming at you today? Do you realize that he loves you with a love beyond measure? And he says, I'll take care of all your needs, but you have to trust him. Don't, don't be afraid. You trust him. I'm going to ask you if you've been wrestling with fear. I just want you to stand right where you're at. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you've been struggling with fear. A um, little bit of fear or a big fear. Just stand where you're at. If There's a few more. Go ahead and stand. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to mock you. There's no Samaritans in the room. Hallelujah. I just want you, if you're, if you're standing... I want, and, and I'm not judging and nobody's judging, but I want you just to lift your hands and we're going to pray. Just lift your hands, guys. Can everybody just lift their hands? Father, in the wonderful name of Messiah Yeshua, in Jesus' name, we come to you today. We bless you. I thank you for your people. And Father, I declare that your people today are free in Messiah from fear. Fear has no place. I thank you for your great love that you, Father, I'm asking you to wash over your people with that spirit of love. Even now, touch hearts and give their hearts rest. Give their hearts rest as we trust in you. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Father. We ask it in Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name. Now say this with me. Heavenly Father, I trust you. Fear has no place with me or in me or even near me. I'm not going to listen to the voice of the Samaritans and the mountains have to go. Thank you for your favor that you crown me with. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. If you, if you need prayer today, we will pray for you. But um, thank you all for just being a part just being who you are. Shalom. Amen. Amen. Okay, if the ushers will come forward now, we're going to take up a love offering to support William and his ministry. Heavenly Father, we just ask your blessing upon this offering, Lord. Just thank you for the opportunity to, to share your love with William and to bless him. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we do not pick up chairs today, so we can leave everything as is. Um, I don't know of any other announcements. Um, 
Enjoy the rest of your day. God's favor. Sometimes, oh yes. Oh, thank you. I was, yeah, that was one. Yes. William will be up here, and he will pray for you. If you have an individual need, you want to come up and, and have him pray for you, he will be up here to pray with you about whatever need you might have. And uh, we just encourage you to come up and let him bless you. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace, your grace, your favor. Lord, help us to walk in that. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, to know that you're always going to be there to take care of us. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your blessing. Be with us now as we depart. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.